Hey friends, with as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story has not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we, when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to, to tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story. That This will always define you. And trust me, I, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start or you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're going to talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm going to share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The call is going to be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's going to be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances. Why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one key decision that you're going to have to take in order to move through your pain and, and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices with, when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next. And listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I want to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link at the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and joining me again, our guest co-host, Teresa Glantz. Teresa, so good to have you on again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I love it. Teresa, you know, you've been on the podcast several times with us. Yep. But I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Maybe tell us a little about, you know, kind of your family and stuff so that just so we can get reacquainted with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though there's been a few episodes you've been on and and right. and you're yeah. one of our certified coaches, but I would love for folks to just get reacquainted with you. Yeah, yeah. So, um I wish I knew my episode number. I don't, but that's okay. Oh, I can look it up while you're talking. <clears throat> Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'm currently, we're in Indiana. Uh, my husband pastors a church here. He's a pastor at a church here, I should say. Um, yeah, 
two daughters with three grandkids, two grandson or two um, son-in-laws. So yeah, life is good. Um, I am. I'm also a certified trauma recovery coach. Mm. So 2019 had a pretty difficult year. Uh, catapulted me into uh, trying to claw my way out of that, and I became a trauma coach. Um, it has been an amazing journey sitting across from people who've had trauma and helping them walk through that season. Um, starting to do a little bit of a pivot in my in in my practice, doing more group coaching, more training trauma to churches and organizations, and um, yeah, doing more speaking events. So it's just it's exciting to see what God's doing, um, healing the church. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this, um, that that's a, a major area of focus that Nothing Is Wasted has begun to pivot to and, and spend time doing is how do we help the church help people heal, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially what we're doing is we're trying to help the body of Christ heal. Yes, for sure. And I feel like that's a major, uh, the kind of the, the way I look at it is the next great awakening, the wave of the next great awakening, the next revival that's going to happen and come to the church. I think so much of it is going to be about healing mm-hmm. from trauma. Yes, there are so many, mm-hmm. so many people who they don't know where to turn. Yeah. They're lost and don't know where to turn for uh, even context to understand what's happening to them. So yeah. um, having all that I've learned about trauma, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, integrating that with my faith and finding stories in Scripture where I go, well, there it is. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great journey, and I'm so grateful that God has given me this opportunity to yeah. help women heal. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. it's been great. It's amazing. Well, it's been fun to watch you on this journey and be a part of it a little bit. And um, I'm excited to talk more about it on the back end of this interview mm-hmm. that we have. But we have a great guest today. Oh, by the way, I looked it up before we introduce our guest. Yeah. Episode 145, Teresa. Okay, 145, got it. And episode 192, where you and yeah. Naomi Widmer had a conversation together, and that was yeah. really good too. Um, so 145, if you want to go listen to all of Teresa's story. We did that right in my office. Yes, we did. Right yeah, Chris and I came Chris down there. there. Yeah. That's right. And you guys are a part of Granger community, which you guys also implement pain to purpose on yep. a pretty regular basis there yep. at Granger, which is really cool to partner with you guys in that. So yes. I love that. Okay, mm-hmm. so our guest today is Jonathan Pitts. Um, I heard about Jonathan's uh, story back in 2018 when he suddenly lost his wife, Winter. And not too long after it, he was he began to speak about it publicly. And I feel a kindred spirit in that, you know, Teresa, obviously with my mm-hmm. story, anybody who not only, you know, loses their spouse, but then is kind of thrust into having to speak about it publicly because they already had somewhat of a public platform. Mm-hmm. I feel a, a huge empathy for because it's one thing to navigate grief and loss on one hand, and then it's another thing to compound that with having to navigate it publicly for as sure. Well. And so Jonathan, and I talk a little bit about that in this conversation, uh, but it really is. It's a, it's a, it's a great, great conversation. He wrote a book called my winter season. I would definitely recommend everybody picking up that book. Um, the subtitle seeing God's faithfulness in the shadow of grief. We'll put a link there for you to pick that up on Amazon pretty easily. You can just click on the show notes and the link in the show notes, but, um, so yeah, we, we get into this conversation about losing his wife, Winter, and then kind of some of that in-between season, and then what God's doing right now to redeem and restore his story. And 
So uh, why don't we just go ahead and take a, a, a listen to my conversation with Jonathan Pitts. Jonathan, so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, man. Glad to be on with you. Well, I've been wanting to have this conversation probably since 2018 when I heard your story. You know, I remember seeing, uh, you know, just different uh, news feeds, Facebook, Instagram, stuff about it. People reached out to me and said, hey, have you heard this? You know, and I just was praying for you from afar. And I'm, I'm just really glad that we get to sit down uh, as brothers with a kindred spirit who've walked through similar things and be able to talk about what, how the Lord has shown up in this. And so, man, thanks for making the time. I'd love for our community just to hear a little bit about what you what you do, where are you located right now, what's family like right now, and then we're going to dive back into your story because it's not the life or the family that you thought it would be 5, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm currently, I live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is for people that don't know, it's a, a really beautiful suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here for about four years. I was an executive pastor at Church of the City um, here up until about a year and a half ago when I decided to step out of that role. I, I um, basically just was stepping into a new place with my family and um, uh, was married uh, a year ago, um, just this past Saturday. And um, yeah, my my life is uh, kind of fresh, kind of new. I'm I'm doing a couple things. I'm a consultant, kind of like a fundraising consultant. My life has been surrounded around fundraising for many years now, and so I'm pastoring, I'm fundraising, I'm speaking some, I'm always writing some. I'm I, I, I'm I get bored pretty easy, so I got a couple <laughs> things going on. Always too much, but on my yeah. terms. So anyway, yeah, yeah that's kind of me. But I'm wow. married to a wonderful woman named Peta, and uh, I've got. Four girls, age 18, 15, and twins that are 13. So, Oof, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's so much involved in that, right? I mean, first of all, congratulations. Thank a year you. ago this past Saturday. Uh, that's amazing. And, you know, I'm I'm super excited for you because I know what it's like to have gone through a really difficult journey and then to see God um, bring something new into your life. And that's just an amazing thing. And then four girls, man, I cannot even imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. My oldest just graduated high school. And uh, so she's kind of living on her own now in Dallas and a little bit away from us, um, which is uh, hard moments and also beautiful because she's a really yeah. independent girl, strong girl. Mm. She's already got like a pretty awesome life off into the races and three at home. And they're all, you know, one's 15, two or 13. So they're pretty similar in age and um, and life experience right now. And it's it's fun walking with them. We're, wow. We're all doing really well, but uh, yeah, definitely a lot of estrogen, a lot of opinion in my home. So <laughs> never short on opinions. Uh, I bet. I bet. Well, man, I'd love for you to dive back into your story a little bit. You know, you had a, a sudden, unexpected, tragic turn of your story in 2018. And so why don't you um, step back into whatever you would deem like kind of the beginning and, and walk us on that journey a little bit? Yeah. Well, man, the beginning, I'll start way back in the beginning, but in 2003, I was in college in Philadelphia and, um, my junior year. And, uh, it was actually, um, actually, sorry, 2001. It was a couple days after nine 11, I would meet this young lady named winter Evans and, uh, didn't know her from Adam and anyway, would, uh, end up, um, getting her number at a party. Uh, we would fall in love shortly after we get married two weeks after college. And, um, essentially just start a life together. And, you know, I always say like our life, um, together was, uh, in a couple different phases, like a third of it was, um, really like 
basically me thinking I was the bomb.com. And then the first five <laughs> years was that next five years was like, I'm not the bomb.com and really just start beginning to work on our marriage. And then we had five more years of marriage that were just wonderful partnership and ministry together. Mm. Um, but long story short, Winter and I um, basically moved to the Dallas area. We were living in New Jersey where I grew up for our first year after marriage. And then I was in pharmaceutical sales and kind of one of the sales track. I wanted to make a lot of money and my company downsized. She At the same time, my company was downsizing and I was having to make a decision about what to do. We decided to um, go visit her uncles. One was in Florida, one was in Dallas. Mm. We visited the one in, uh, in Florida. Bo was his name, passed away not too many years ago. And um then uh, this guy named Tony Evans uh, mm. in Dallas, who I didn't know at the time was this prominent preacher in Texas yeah. that happened to be her dad's brother. And really what's funny is we'd go there and God would literally um, change my life forever, uh, starting with the fact that I would step out of um, – I, I, we'd basically go for vacation, uh, but on the vacation, uh, it was pretty clear that God was kind of calling us down there. Winter was yeah. a grant writer. Dr. Evans, and I call him Uncle Tony now, was looking for a grant writer um, and I was actually not looking to get into the ministry. I was interviewing for pharmaceutical jobs. But we just decided, let's go try Dallas for a year. All her family there had kids. So we went there. And long story short, we'd basically fall into life there. And mm. um, 14 of our 15 years of marriage um, would be in Dallas, Texas, doing life and family with the Evans family, this prominent ministry family, Tony Evans, yeah. Priscilla Shire, if any of your guests know her, is his daughter, another one named Crystal Hurst. His other daughter, Anthony Evans, who I would manage for the first seven years of life down there, his son, and then another, Jonathan Evans, who's one of my best friends. They're both my best friends. But anyway, we ended up doing life and ministry down there. And so for 14 years, we're in Texas, um, 05. And then in in 2018, um, you know, we just, Winter and I both felt like God had like this, he was doing something new in our lives. And um, mm. I, I knew that I, my time in uh, what I call the Evans brand of ministry was coming to a close. And as much as I love Dr. Evans and the family, I just knew that God was doing something new. And so yeah. we basically just started to really try to discern what God had. And uh, through a friendship I have uh, with a guy named Gabe Lyons, if you know Gabe or of mm -hmm. Gabe, uh, I started having conversations with him about what would it look like to to come alongside of him and lead with him. And it turns out that didn't work out. I'm actually serving on his board now for Q. But um, anyway, a conversation with him would lead to another conversation with a guy that I'd met one time named Darren Whitehead, um, who's a pastor at a new church called Church of the City that had mer had planted a church and then merged with another big church. And so it was like this new thing happening, four churches in Nashville, and he was looking yeah. for an executive pastor. So um, although we had built a life in Dallas, I was working with the Evans family. Um, Winter had actually built a ministry called For Girls Like You. Um, she had created based on just necessity for our girls, uh, unapologetically Christian magazine for girls called for girls like you that was had some ministry success, which put her on a publishing path in Christian ministry. And, you know, we were doing that together as I was working with Dr. Evans. So we were like, at the same time that we were getting ready to leave, we also were coming into this place of doing a lot of ministry together yeah. for like the last, you know, five years, yeah. four years, five years. And, um, Long story short, we uh, we decided to come to Nashville. Uh, the the mm. role sounded right for me. Nashville sounded right for her. So in, uh, I guess it was May of 2018, we made a decision to um, to move to Nashville for this role for me. And June um, uh, June 10th, we bought our house in Nashville. We'd sold our house in Dallas, bought a house in Nashville. June 14th, we moved into that house, and then we left. Like a couple days later, we just left. We went to Iowa for a week to visit my family. Um, all four of our girls with us in our minivan. And then I would actually, um, I would drive back to Dallas from um, from Iowa uh, where we were doing like a family reunion. 
I drive back to Dallas with my three youngest girls and my oldest daughter, my wife flew to San Antonio, Texas to do mm -hmm. a, a mom daughter conference. And they did that. We'd meet up, we'd stay in Priscilla Shire's uh, guest house on her ministry property. Uh, Cause we were homeless in Dallas. We literally yeah. were homeless. I was finishing up my last week of work. Uh, we were saying goodbye to family. My girls were going to do one last week of camp in Dallas. And I'll never forget we got, we came back together on a Sunday and that Tuesday, which is the, the, the remainder of week of work for me in Dallas. Um, she texted me at like three o'clock and she said, I feel, and she sent me this sick emoji. Mm. And I just, you know, just text back. We're like, what's going on? And she never texted me back. So I was just like, okay, I guess she's fine. And I had some errands to run. I went and got our van detailed. And then I went to Costco to pick up dinner because she had a book project due and didn't have a lot of time that evening. She was already late on the book project. So um, I picked up uh, ribs and salad, Caesar salad from Costco. If you ever had that pretty much a staple for a big family <laughs> yep. with no time. Yep. And so I picked that up and I came home and, Oddly enough, Winter and um, my th three youngest girls and then my sister-in-law, Winter's brother's wife, and her two daughters were all on this big sectional couch playing this game like, you can be this, but you can't be the. I, I still to this day, I remember the. I remember hearing them in my head mm. and thinking to myself like, oh, Winter seems fine. So I actually, I'd taken a run that early that morning. I was pretty tired. So I like laid down, took like a 15 minute power nap. And we literally, I got it from my power nap. My sister-in-law left. We crossed in the hallway and... Um, I just went and made dinner. I knew it was like universal. You know, when you're married right. that long, you know what it is. Like she was right. going to take a nap. I right. just take a nap. I was going to fix dinner. I peeked my head in the bedroom and just say, hey, do you want to eat? And she's like, no, I think I need to nap longer. And so we just ate. And then I went into the bedroom and went to floss my teeth uh, to get the ribs out, which I'll never eat again. And as I peeked my head out of the bathroom as I was flossing my teeth, Winter was sitting up facing the windows away from me. And she just like, you know, you know, how you do that thing where you like don't want to get up and you just kind of fall back over in the bed yeah. and just slump over. She did that, but there was something unnatural about it. And um, uh, yeah, uh, basically the next 30 minutes were the most 30 traumatic minutes of my life. Uh, sure. She basically was slumped over awkwardly because she was having um, cardiac dysrhythmia. Her heart got off rhythm uh, mm. kind of randomly. And um, I spent the next 30 minutes trying to save her life. I had my three youngest girls running in the bedroom, running out like they thought I was playing. It was a joke. And, oh, you know, man. just the worst of what you can think about trying to like lead your kids through a moment where you're also trying to, right. you know, save their mom's life. It's It was horrible. And Jeez. so long story short, um, the neighbor across the street was a good friend of uh, Priscilla's and also um, a friend of ours uh, who would come over and really just like help me with the girls and take me to the hospital. And we'd make our way to the hospital and, um, it would be there that uh, my, my girls were in the waiting room with a family. A whole bunch of family was already there. And um, this uh, attending physician came out and just said, hey, you may want to come say goodbye to your wife. And uh, that would be that would be the beginning of, uh, I don't know, just like uh, years um, and uh, well, moments and then months and then years of dealing with uh, the loss of my first wife, married 15 years, uh, had an awesome relationship. Um, and not only like dealing with that, but then leading my girls to that as well, which is, you know, the thing I always say is that's an ongoing continued process right. for the rest of our lives. I've actually come to terms with that now. Like it's not yeah. something that we, that we work through and we get over. Um, ultimately I'll always be a dad of four girls that, uh, that lost their mom, you know? And so Jeez. anyway, life is, you know, it's funny as I say all that and life is beautiful and, amazing and you know you said it a second ago that you know um god's doing new things and um i'm in a new thing right now it's been the scariest new thing in my life 
um, but yeah. also the most beautiful as well. So um, that's mm. kind of my story. You know, I, 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 we actually continued on to Nashville. Like my, I'll never forget the day before Winter's funeral. We buried her in Dallas where we had spent really our, our whole family life is there. So she's there, which seems like her, not she, but her body is there, which seems really um, honoring because that's where, that's where, yeah. you know, we, we raised our girls. And so um, anyway, my, my oldest daughter looked at me the day before the funeral and said, dad, like, are we still going to Nashville? And I said, well, we need to pray about it. It's trying to be a good leader. Think about it, pray mm -hmm. about it. And she just looked at me and said, dad, I feel like we're supposed to go. Like mom wanted to go more than anybody else. Mm. And that was like this moment of inspiration for me as a dad yeah. to go, if my daughter can say that, then we can continue wow. on. And we did. And what we would find is the church that um, we were coming to was just ready to adopt us. Wow. And Franklin, Tennessee and Church of the City have been, um, I call it an incubator of healing for mm. us. Um, so anyway, that's where we find ourselves now. I uh, wow. I met a couple of years later. Uh, it's a whole other long, beautiful story. But through friends that I'd met, I told this couple in California an event, my story six months after Winter passed away in all of my beginning grief. Because I probably it probably took me six months to really start grieving because just leading the girls. Yeah. And one of the first families I tell that story to on the weekend of what would have been winter's 39th birthday, uh, I shared that story with them. And a year and a half later, they were like, Hey, we feel like the Holy spirit told us to introduce you to this woman. And she mm. is now my wife and wow. God is doing a new thing. And so we're, uh, wow. yeah, God's been really restorative for me also for my wife, Peta, and she has her own wonderful, amazing, beautiful God story Man. as well of redemption. And so here we find ourselves two redeemed people trying to, uh, make make a redeemed blended family which has its own yeah. unique challenges and beauties <laughs> and i'm the man it's been the scariest thing i've yeah. done yeah. other than walking with my girls to losing them all right hey friend tens of thousands of people receive hope through their headphones each week by listening to the nothing is wasted podcast but we know as well as most people that healing doesn't happen simply by listening to inspiring stories in fact, you have to engage in deeper relational community with like-minded people who are also struggling through the journey, and you have to apply the practical tools and truths that you're learning from those who have gone before you. I mean, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, those who listen to my words and put them into practice will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The storms will come, but the, but the house won't fall. It's information plus application that leads to transformation, which is why we've created the Nothing is Wasted Community Plus platform, an ecosystem of content that you can consume through the power of targeted community. Never again will you have to say that no one understands what you're going through. Because through Community Plus, we're bringing you both the people who quote unquote get it and the content that will help you journey through it. For just $20 a month or $200 a year with your Community Plus membership, you'll receive access to our extensive library of bonus content, including bonus podcast episodes and on-demand mini courses, access to all of our curated pathways in their entirety, on-demand replay access to all exclusive events, masterclasses, live coaching, webinars, immediate access to the Position for Redemption mini course, which is normally $97, discounts on all Nothing Is Wasted products, events, and coaching. And if you choose the annual plan, you get two months for free. Now, here's the deal. What's even better is that since Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is a nonprofit organization, Community Plus membership is tax deductible. That's right. We'll send you a statement at the end of the year, and you can report that on your taxes. I believe Community Plus will be such a helpful tool for you in your pain to purpose journey 
but I want to give you a seven-day trial for free by signing up today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. If you're ready to partner with God to take back your story, get the resources you need to help along the way. Through encouragement and practical steps, the Community Plus platform is what you are looking for in navigating your pain to purpose journey. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus and sign up now. Join others who are finding hope and healing. Well, let's talk about several of those things. The first thing I really want to talk about Jonathan is, you know, I mean, even just listening to you talk about your story, I, 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 I feel like what I just heard from you is what I sound like when I share things. I'm walking all the way up to that moment of this sudden tragic loss and just very, you know, like boom, 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 boom. Everything's matter of fact, you know, everything's like, and, and I remember things very detailed and I'm, you know, and you're very well spoken with that, but then there, you get to that moment where you're talking about those things. 30 minutes of the mm-hmm. trauma and it feels like you're walking through mud even as you're trying to talk about it and i can tell that that's just even very difficult for you to talk about um can you can you can you tell me what how how has it been for you first of all to have to share that mo- i mean a lot of people don't they don't have a platform the way that you were kind of thrust mm-hmm. into a platform to to be forced to share that you've had to continually share that that's the most painful moment that hopefully you'll ever experience in your life although we have no idea right what's to come mm-hmm. but but what what has that been like for you to have to share those things on a regular basis yeah it's funny i mean i share it um quite a bit and every time i share it isn't the same like it's always different sometimes it feels like what's funny is like in that moment where i just shared it it felt more gripping than mm-hmm. it has in a while and so it like it really changes depending on how I'm sharing it, what details I'm remembering. I don't always talk about the details when I share when I share that part of the story. Um, but you know, for me, what's really funny is I'm a pretty open book, and so for me to share my story uh, has actually been really healing for me. And mm-hmm. so when I share it, even if it sounds like I'm in pain or I'm sad or if I'm in tears, like inside of me, there's actually a relief that I'm actually getting to share. Yeah. You know a part of my story, even, even being hard. And I, you know, I've met a lot of people obviously who have a really hard time sharing their story and yeah. sharing traumatic things they've walked through. For me, that's never really been hard, even if it's been emotional mm. and it's been, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just uh, ultimately healing. And so like yeah. every time I get to share my story, I feel like God's doing something new and healing me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think the hardest thing for me and maybe the moment that even caught me in sharing it isn't like, I don't have these memories of trauma when I share it like personally. Yeah, right. But I think the hard thing for me is when I'm sharing and I'm remembering this is actually my daughter's real life. Like yeah. this is their real story. And so yeah. like when I think about them experiencing that and, you know, maybe not dealing with the trauma at the level that I have, because they're not adults, they can't process like I can process. Yeah. That that really grips me kind of every time. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, healing for me. I, there's a um, guy named Chip Dodd who uh, wrote a book called Voices of the Heart that I, um, I'm mm-hmm. actually reading right now. And he, he says in it, he says, everyone longs to be... Um, seen heard and known i think mm. that those are the three words and yeah i feel seen like and i feel heard and i feel known when i kind of share and you know i always I, I like we'll probably be best friends before we hang up on here davy and um you know uh winter used to say like you, you act like everybody's your best friend and i really feel like that so when i'm sharing <laughs> with people like i i just really quickly like grafted people so sharing for me yeah. is i don't know it's, it's kind of somewhat natural yeah. and 
Yeah. So well, that's what you know, and that's kind of what I was hoping you would say too, man. Because that's been my experience as well. Is that you know I was forced to share this over and over and over and over, and then I look back realizing that that's a, that's a technique of healing, right? That's cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. You're talking about this over and over, and so we're always trying to encourage people share your story as painful as it is, as difficult as it as it is. Share your story in the moments that you're given opportunities to, in the moments that people create a, a safe space for that. Share your story because every time it's going to get somewhat easier to share those traumatic mm-hmm. moments. And it's going to, like what you just said, grip you in different ways that bring a yeah. new level and layer of healing into your life. And yeah. so, and, and you know, what's funny just saying that, I remember I just go back to the first counseling session I did, which I did counseling really quick. Even before the funeral, I went to a counselor in Dallas because um, I was dealing with a lot of like um, guilt just for yeah. not being able to save her life. And yeah. then even after, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. And maybe it's been somebody else's experience who's lost a loved one or lost a spouse specifically. But when she passed, I had this weird adrenaline rush, and maybe as a believer, of mm. almost like this, I did it. Like I accomplished mm. what God, like when you, you know, when you give your vows and you say, right, right, until right. death do us part. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I wasn't perfect, but man, I'm telling you, like every day of my marriage, even mm. if I, even if I got it wrong, it was like two steps uh, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. It was like five steps forward. I was always really trying to love mm. my wife, like Christ loved the church. And so when she died, there was this sense for me of like, I actually did what God called me to do. Not perfectly, mm. but I was really intentional. And there was like this, uh, it was a gratitude I had, but I even felt guilty for that. So I was like, I couldn't mm. save her life. And now I feel grateful. And that feels really weird. And yeah. I should feel bad right now. And it's all these mix. There's a mix of emotions that I had to process out. Yep. And, um, yeah, I think in the early days it was dealing with guilt. And so it's probably like, even for me, as much as it doesn't feel quote unquote traumatic now to share, there's some other part of my heart that's probably getting healed as I, as I mm-hmm. share, you know? Um, yeah. Isn't it crazy? Not, just the cocktail of emotions that grief oh brings. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. It, and some yeah. of them don't even make sense. Like you almost feel, you almost feel foolish or ashamed to share some of the things that you're feeling. And you're just like, I don't know why I'm feeling this. Maybe I shouldn't share this because this is, I, I don't know. I don't like the parts of my heart that even are expressing this, but this, I can't help this. This is what's happening right now. Yeah. The counselor, when I, I met with, uh, you know, it's funny. I can't remember. I think it was a, the first one was a guy that I met with. Yeah. In Fort Worth. And I, I was sharing that with him and um, I just shared, I feel guilty because I feel kind of accomplished. And he goes, mm-hmm. well, do you feel like you accomplished something? And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, then why would you feel shame for that? Mm-hmm. That's actually that's a good thing, you know? And so it was like, yep. even like feel, giving, being given permission to be, yeah. be okay with feelings that I had, you know? Really well, beautiful. yeah, that, and that's the thing. That's why I want to give everybody who's listening to this. Like, I want you to feel the permission to feel what you're feeling and then take that emotion and, and, and let yourself be curious about that. Take it to the Lord, explore that, go, God, what, okay, what is this? Cause this emotion is an invitation into a deeper place of healing. And yeah, then where, yeah. where in scripture am I seeing certain things that would validate these emotions? Well, I mean, when you share that with me, I'm like, well, Jonathan, I mean, scripture talks about how as a, as a believing marriage, we are, as husbands, we are responsible for presenting our, our wife, our bride, holy and blameless to the Lord, the same way that Christ presents the church. Ephesians 5 tells us to love our wives as Christ loves the church, giving ourselves up for her and then presenting her holy and blameless. And so there's a moment where as you and I, you know, as we're walking in this and we're learning how to be a good husband and we're learning how to die to ourselves and, you know, deny ourselves. And there's a sense of like, man, I, I really just want for our marriage to be something that the Lord looks at and goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and especially someone who it seems like for you, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a high achieving individual, like the thought of the Lord saying, I'm proud of you, even though that some of these battles were hard fought, even though 
you you were determined to love her well well done like yeah. that's an amazing feel i'm sure that there was a sense of relief well, with that as well it's, you know it's funny because nobody's ever said that i've shared that just a, i haven't shared that a lot just a few times but nobody's ever said that and as you said that i thought to myself oh, myself oh wow like i was actually in that moment where she's going to glory she's going yeah. to eternity she's going to be with jesus I'm actually presenting her or she's being presented, you know, that's yep. a really beautiful language and a great way to think about it. And that, that was, the, you know, that moment for me, Davey, it sealed my faith forever. Cause I mm. knew that I knew like winter, it wasn't like, you know, like some people lose their, lose their spouse over months or years of like battles with cancer. Mm. This was an instant. So one moment winter was here and the next moment she was gone. Mm. And it was just like, there was no deterioration. It was like, right. she was here, she was gone. And I'm like, there's no way she doesn't exist. Wow, And so there was a moment for me where I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually believe what I'm saying I believe. So when I went in the, the next room, you know, probably 40 minutes later to tell my girls, I'll never forget, I was standing with Dr. Evans, um, Priscilla Shire was there, I think it was just the two of them in the room with us. Um, no, there's one other friend, I think a guy named Greg in the room with us. And I'm thinking about, Lord, what do I say to my girls? What do I say mm -hmm. to my girls? And the way I say it now, I, I didn't know this at the time, but the scripture, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. Mm. And in the moment, I went in that room, and the only thing I knew to say to my girls that was both true and right and beautiful and all these different things was, your mom just went home to be with Jesus. Mm. And that's what we had been teaching our girls for their whole lives, is that one day we're going to go home to be with Jesus. And I actually had the opportunity, and it wasn't, I didn't feel proud in this moment. I felt like, oh my gosh, the scariest thing I've ever done. But I went in there and I just shared the mommy went to be with Jesus and I just hugged him. That's all I had. That's all I Man. could share with them. And um, anyway, I'm you know I <laughs> I think I faltered in that as I as we walked through grief, like just trying to be, say what's true and say what's you know just not giving my girls necessarily the space they needed to actually grieve themselves um, at times because I'm always trying to say what's true. And sometimes what's true doesn't matter. It's just not necessary. Mm. It's not helpful. <laughs> you know. So anyway, there's other stories wow. that uh, I could wow. share of uh, a failure in in trying to weaponize that scripture essentially. But um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're all like, we're all guilty of that, right? As we're trying to figure this whole thing out. There's no manual for it. And so yeah. you're just trying to live and exist between the between the ditches, right? Like you don't want to just all of a sudden like, you know, dive into fatalism and it's like everything's bad and everything's awful because we serve a risen God. And yet you also don't want to like diminish people's pain. And so you're trying to figure out how to go in between those two ditches. And it's very difficult, especially when you've experienced so much trauma yourself and you're not even sure what, what side is up and what side is down. And then you're trying to lead these four girls to it as well, you know, as well. I'm, I'm curious, yeah. Jonathan, what you, you know, you said something about you were talking about guilt and guilt is one of those things that you don't just get over guilt, right? The feelings of guilt of like, I, and that's a very real thing that you mm -hmm. wrestle with, especially in the aftermath of losing somebody. I'm curious for you, cause it's personal for everybody. What, what was the untangling of that guilt like? And, uh, and maybe it's still an ongoing journey, but what does that look like? How, how have you been able to divorce yourself from feeling the overwhelming feelings of guilt of what if, or how I, I could have, or what, what, what's that journey look like for you? Yeah, you know, for me, it wasn't very long. I I, I, I dealt with a lot of shame mm. um, for a long time, which guilt is actually the thing that you actually, you know, you have this sense that you did something wrong. So I did feel yeah. guilty that I couldn't save Winter's life, that I, I, you know, I was a boy, I'm an Eagle Scout. So like mm. CPR is one of those things I trained in like every year up until I was 18 years old. And, you know, like I, in my mind, I should have been able to save her life. And so I felt really guilty for that. By God's grace, um, I have two brother-in-laws, one's a, a surgeon, and another one's a, a primary care physician. And 
it, early on in conversations with both them, both of them, even like before the funeral, um, you know, I was talking with them and they were sharing with me like the reality of like, even in an emergency room, if somebody experiences what winter experiences, like a trained medical doctor would only be able to save their lives so many times. Right. You know, it's just like one of those right. things where like, I had to like actually deal with the reality of right. my own humanity and my yeah. lack of training, even as trained as I felt like I was. So like, I didn't, I honestly didn't have a lot of guilt. I had probably more shame um, for feelings. Like mm. I didn't, I knew I wasn't wrong, but I knew that um, there was this sense that I, I didn't do something wrong, but I was wrong with how I was mm. feeling. So I dealt more with shame which was more of a, that was more of an untangling for me. But, but, you know, with the guilt of not being able to save her life, that was actually pretty easy. People were like, you're not guilty. It's yeah. not your fault. You didn't, you didn't do something wrong. So that was pretty easy. I think the shame was more like, okay, I'm not wrong for being hopeful, even in loss. I'm not wrong. And it's like, what's funny is it's the way that God's naturally wired me. I'm hopeful, man. I'm telling you, like something could happen to me today or one of my girls today. And I wouldn't not be, human and i'd be very human i'd have all the fear and all that but i'd still for whatever reason god's given me this hopefulness mm -hmm. of of yeah. thinking forward that it's not natural to everyone but it is natural to some people so in some yeah. ways he's just wired me to deal with some of that but the th the way i dealt with shame uh, the shame i've had and even shame since then it's just going back to what god's word says t tells me mm -hmm. who i am you know i just it's really basics it's like basics going back to like who i am in christ you know i have the mind of christ i can think new thoughts like all that kind of stuff so it's but also counseling, just like I had when I when I got to Nashville, it was pretty awesome. God's really kind. So I get to Nashville and you know, Winter had started the podcast for um for moms and really just parents of girls along with a friend of hers. And one of the interviews they did with was with a woman named Sissy Goff. Mm -hmm. And some of your listeners might know Sissy, but Sissy is a licensed family therapist, child therapist, yep. counselor at a place called Daystar, and she lived in Nashville. So when we moved mm -hmm. here, Sissy heard what had happened and she told Winter's friend, she goes, Hey, I, I'd love to work with those girls if they need mm -hmm. somebody to work with. And so for the last four years, you know, week in, week out, at, at times it was every week and at times it's been every two weeks. Now it's like, you know, once a month or so. My girls are with Sissy doing counseling and she, she was yeah. here for them. And then the job I came to, there's a guy named Jack at my job who was like a um, licensed counselor, therapist who's like this, like, um, guy that he basically deals with like eight core emotions and it's like way into the emotions. And he was literally another executive at my church alongside of me, but I'd go sit with him to talk about ministry and mm -hmm. all he'd want to do is talk about where I'm at. <laughs> and so I had like this free counselor at my church that I talked to. And then wow. I was connected with another counselor who I, who I also, I walked with that, that I paid for a lot of money, but um, it's worth it. I tell you what yep. counseling is worth every dime you'll pay for yep. it. So I don't right. want I, I laugh about it, but it's worth every dime. And that counselor walked with me through the loss. Uh, her name was mm -hmm. Janina the loss of, uh, of winter. But then when I was ready to, to basically date again, I started doing counseling with my now wife, with her husband, who mm. is now like our marriage counselor, who's okay. been amazing as well. And wow. so it's just neat. Like God just put people in my life to actually yeah. be able to, pro I process out loud. I think out loud, which yeah. gets me in trouble sometimes, especially in my marriage, but I think like, whatever yep. I'm thinking, it comes out of my mouth. Yep. And so that's helpful for me. And so wow. that's, that's really, you know, really just talking and being really honest you know, in front of yeah. people that can actually reflect back to me the things that I should actually, you know, if I, if I, if I do have guilt would tell mm. me to repent. And if I actually don't have guilt, tell me I'm not guilty. And then mm. speak to me about, you know, how I should think about the things that I feel ashamed of, you know? So wow. anyway, yeah, just Man. good people in my life. Well, what I love about what you're saying is that the Lord really laid out a big path for you. He brought people around you, assembled people. And this was a new community for you. I mean, you guys just Brand moved new. to I Nashville. Did, I, I knew like, didn't know any. I knew like three people yeah. in my church. Like, yeah. 
you know. And here's the Lord. He's going, hey, I'm going to surround you with the right people for this season to be able to carry you through this. And I think that, Jonathan, my theory is, is that goes back to something you said earlier where you're naturally, your propensity is to be a hopeful person, future mm-hmm. forward, th- future thinking. And I honestly think there's an element of that that is like every believer should have an element of that, even if your personality doesn't lend toward that. Because again, we serve a risen Savior and we have the promises of Scripture. And I again, I don't mean this to diminish sitting in and lamenting and grieving by any means. I, I think that's an imperative step. But I do think that we grieve through the lens of, as First, first Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Mm-hmm. We, we grieve differently. And so we grieve through the lens of future forward. And I think that God, what he does is he brings opportunities and, and, and moment and people and resources and stuff toward people who have more of that future orientation that are saying, God, where are you in this? How can I partner with you in this? I need you right now. And he's like, okay, you're ready here, 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 yeah. here, right? Because I see a lot of other people just get stuck and paralyzed because they have a different orientation that's like, well, yeah. the best is behind me. This is, there's never going to be any future in my life that's going to compare yeah. whatsoever to what I just lost. Yeah. And you know, honestly, the beauty, because even in my own family, um, I would say there are both forward, future forward thinking people. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that think more in the past. And I want to share a story. It's, it's kind of funny. I was... Um, so the morning that Winter passed away, I feel like this was God giving me like a like a God wink. But I was running mm-hmm. that morning down this super dark road. But I was listening to, um, uh, I didn't I, at the time I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was just listening to Spotify. You know, Spotify just plays different yeah, things. Right. Well, like Stephen Furtick um, had this. Uh, it's basically like sermon clips that mm-hmm. are get put to a cadence into like mm-hmm. you know uh, rhythm and then some some mu- a music bed, and one of them is called Moving On. And mm. it's basically him talking about, I think it's Genesis 38. I should know this by now. But in Genesis, it says, um, let's see, Abraham, Isaac, um, Jacob. Uh, mm. It says, Jacob buried Rachel. But Rachel mm-hmm. died. Jacob buried Rachel. And then he moved on. And Stephen's mm. just basically doing this thing. He's just preaching. He's like, you know, he, he moved on because he had a place to go. He had these mm. 12 sons that he had to get to a, to a certain place and He's just kind of doing his thing, like preaching. But in that, like I, I didn't in that moment. I didn't, I didn't actually know. I just was listening to this cadence. It was kind of a cool cadence. I was running to it and feeling good in my body. Well, that Friday, the same day that Alina told me she thinks we should go to Nashville, I, I went out. I was at my brother in law's house. So I was staying there. It's 105 degrees in Texas, 110 degrees, super hot. I'm in the house and I'm just like overwhelmed by all these people that are around me, all these voices, like all that. Like the hardest thing for me in grief was like the mental fog mm. and the tiredness, but I can't sleep. And then yep. all the energy and then all the people. So I, I just go outside and I kneel down by my brother-in-law's fence. My back's in the fence. I put my head headphones in and I go to Spotify and I just hit play. Mm. And what comes up is this song moving on. And I'm, I'm hearing Stephen Furtick just do the same thing again, which is basically telling this verse. And what's crazy for me is, and I, I kind of share this in my book, but it, what it did for me is it gave me this reality of because it, it says that Rachel, oh, sorry, that Jacob buried Rachel. He set a stone of remembrance, mm. and then he moved on. Wow! And I go back to like the future forward thing versus like the people that think in the past. Yep. The reality is God gives us both. Both. Like, some That's of us great. would rather prefer to be in the past because it's in the past that we can actually honor and think mm-hmm. about well and remember like what what was good about what we had, and then right. it's in the future where we live into what God has for us in the future. Right. And I would say in my tendency to think future forward, 
I think that's how you've been saying it. I can miss remembrance. Mm. I can miss lament. I can miss like all the things that God's also called us to as his people. Right. And so what's been neat for me, I think over the years is like being willing to listen to my girls, not like their voices, because typically they they didn't have a voice what they're going through, but like even listen to them, like in, in moments where I'm like, we're just ready to move. We're just ready to move on. We're just ready to do differently like Mother's Day or because, you know, one of the things I hated people would tell me is like, ah, you know, every holiday you're going to feel it and doesn't matter and i was just like i don't my story doesn't have to be your story i get angry at people mm. like stop making your story my story and what's funny is the reality is every holiday would come around and they were absolutely right like i would <laughs> basically be annoyed because i'm like i'm ready to be out of this place i'm ready to be out of this mm. place and i wasn't dealing with like grief and loss and not just mine but our communal grief like mm. my girls and i at that right. time and so over the years i've learned to kind of sit in the remembrance of the past yeah to not be so future forward thinking that I can't mm. think on what God has done. It's good. And, you know, God calls us that to that all through scripture to remember right. what he's done. Remember, right. you know, so that was a really pivotal scripture for me. The other that uh, you kind of, you didn't say the scripture, but you said, you know, God surrounds people. There's a scripture, Psalm 34, seven, I think it is the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues mm. them. And I used to, I remember Dr. Evans, I traveled with him so much and he'd preach on, all kinds of things, but he he always talked about like the angel of the Lord not being like this, you know, floating genie in never never land, but this being God's people like surrounding wow. us, like you know. Wow. And so that's been my experience, man. I'm telling you, God's people came out of the woodwork for my family. God's people I knew, and then God's people I didn't know, and yeah. none of it did I think I earned, none of it did I think I deserved, and God was just pouring it out, pouring it out, pouring it out to the point where. I had to finally learn to just be okay with receiving and not being able to reciprocate. Cause I always have been that guy where I'm like, they did for me, I'm going to do for them. And I've got no point where I can't do that, which actually gives me a real um, passion to want to help people that are walking through something similar that I have, because I, there was no way I could reciprocate in that moment, you know? And so I had nothing. (laughs) You really just have to pay it forward eventually. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun for, for me now and for our family, when we get to actually pour into families that have walked Mm. through loss, spouses, siblings, you know, whatever the thing might be. Um, Wow. So good. I love that idea of like holding both the past and the future in tension. And you can't have one without the other. If you're truly going to walk into what God has for you, you have to be able to like, we, we know that we can trust the Lord in the future because he's been faithful in the past, but we have to be reminded of that by, by, by dwelling on the past, by thinking of it, by considering it. Right. And so it's important for us to hold both of those two things. You can't have the past without the future and the future without the past. Yeah. And, and just, that, I mean, that, that, that can be like a really, especially once you get into the, you know, for us, like I, I had never even thought about blended families before, man. I, <laughs> I didn't come from like a family of loss of divorce yeah. or anything. And so like even coming into my now marriage and, um, uh, my relationship with my wife and my girls and in my mind, all I think is kingdom, like, Oh God can right. do this. Like right. Right. my girls lost their mom and here's my now wife and here we're going to be this happy, loving yeah. family. And what's awesome is God's awesome and things are going well, but there is a process there is. that we've been walking through as a family and we've all had our own insecurities mm. and our own fears and we've been driven by those. And then God's kind of been gracious and it's been a whole new, whole new journey with its mm. own complexities and its own, um, you know, basically just things we need to trust God in. Mm. And so it's been, <laughs> It's been like the most beautiful, scary, uh, like even like, you know, our wedding, like how do you, how do you hold those things in tension, you know? Like, Man, you, and so you. for us, it's like, we want to celebrate. And, yep. Um, we are going to celebrate. And then there's this reality of like, we're only here because of 
what we've walked right. through, both me and my wife and her story. And so it's just been, it's just yep. really been an interesting journey of like just having to continue to trust God through yeah. the messiness of the brokenness of this world. Yeah. But also knowing that God is like literally always redeeming, always restoring and always making things new and always giving us like right. new chances and new opportunities. And so it's been really beautiful, but it's been absolutely scary. So. <laughs> 100%. You said it so well right there. Uh, okay. Here's a, here's a little bit of a complicated question and I'm, I hope sure. I can ask it the way that I'm thinking it right now. But, you know, I think there's so much in, in our trauma and grief recovery, healing seasons that God is um, preparing us, right? He's, he's doing something in us to prepare us for the next season. Mm-hmm. He's also exposing some things in us that he, that he's putting his finger on that really have nothing to do with the trauma that we just experienced. But now our heart is open and, and, and ready to hear from the Lord. We're desperate because we need a touch from him. And so all of a sudden he's like, well, while you're desperate, let me talk about this issue right here wow. a little bit. Yeah. I've noticed that in my own life. So I, I'm wondering, you know, you just referenced the difficulty of blending families and the reality of the humanity that you're bringing two broken pasts together that are mm-hmm. even more complicated than when, you know, when I got married at 22 years old to my late wife, right? It was just, it was, yeah, it was two broken people coming together, but it was it was relatively easy compared to this new blending of these broken mm-hmm. pasts and stuff. So my question is, with all that being said, what are some things that this new season and that grief season really illuminated in you that you're like, man, God's really showing me as part of my sanctification. Mm-hmm. He's really doing a work in me through this, right? Yeah. So you, you had this one season that ended with like completion, well done, good and faithful servant, right? There's this completion. Yep. But then now there's this new thing. And it's so easy to talk about the new thing that's like in an excitement type, you know, sentiment. But it, but there's also a new thing that God's doing in you that can be difficult, that can be hard. That's like, oh man, you're touching on some stuff that I, I don't yeah. like, Lord. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go there. So, okay. <laughs> the nothing, wasted, thing, nothing is wasted podcast, bro. We're going, we're going yeah. in. <laughs> so one of the biggest things that I was, you know, Winter uh, came from a broken home. Her dad was a drug addict. Um, her mm. mom got saved like the year she was born, like beautiful story of God's redemption. Um, but I can honestly say coming into marriage, and I say this, Winter and I actually did a marriage book together that I, I signed the final manuscript the day that she died, like literally signed it the day she died. The wow. book did not great, but it was actually just like, I feel like a time capsule for me yeah. of like all that God did, but, yeah. and another God wink. But um, one of the things that I was, that God did for me in my twenties and thirties was like expose my own hypocrisy as being like, cause I, I came from this Christian home and I saved myself from marriage and all these different things that I did that I felt like I deserved, I deserved, I deserved. And God broke that down um, mm. through our marriage and helped me see I am the same broken person that Winter was, you know, in her humanity. Wow. And I felt like, you know, one of the things I prayed, because I knew God had grown me so much in my ability to love and see my own humanity. And one of the things I prayed when Winter died, it was a really simple prayer. And it was just like, God, do it again, mm. do it again. And in that prayer, I I was being honest with what I thought that prayer was, which was like, <laughs> God, do it again. Like, allow me to, you know, come alongside like another yeah. woman and, and grow and love her well. And really what I didn't realize, I think God actually was, Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit was praying the prayer through me of <laughs> do it again, like show him who he is and wow. make him more like, make him more like us. <laughs> I imagine in my mind, the Holy Spirit saying this, wow. make him more like us as wow. in the Trinity guys. Yep, so yep. <laughs> don't judge me when I say that's the Trinity. <laughs> um, wow. So anyway, what's funny is, um, you know, the couple that introduced my now wife and I, PETA, um, are film producers. They're uh, like k- kind of faith and family films. Have you ever seen, um, mm-hmm. uh, um, 
there's a movie called Blue Miracle on Netflix now. Awesome mm. movie. Or mm. um, what's the movie? Uh, I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, they've done some pretty awesome films. Okay. But there are a couple I met that were actually my now wife's like two of her best friends. She did a film with them and Jordan, my wife's an actor and she does a film with them in Jordan and got to know them really well. And they, so they introduce us. And when Darren calls me to tell me about PETA, he goes, Hey, like, you know, um, uh, PETA's this actress and she lives in LA and she's this amazing godly woman. Uh, she's an actress. I'm just sitting there thinking like, I'm a pastor in Tennessee. Like <laughs> I can't, like, that's not going to work. And he goes, well, would you be open to meeting her? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I was like, can I see a picture? And so he shows me a picture. And I'm like, I'll meet her. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, yeah. I'll I'll take that yeah. risk. At least. <laughs> um, and anyway, the long story short is like PETA is exactly who he described her to be. She's an actor, mm. like career actress, and she loves Jesus passionately. Mm. And I couldn't reconcile the boxes in my head of like faith and I've been in Christian content my whole career, mm. and like everything was just like really easy and simple and in a box. And I couldn't really reconcile who he was telling me she was with who she was. And the more I got to know her, the more I'm like, oh, like she really loves God. And she mm. also really is an actress that does mostly secular television. And <laughs> so I was like trying to reconcile all that. And really over the course of our, it was really awesome God circumstances that brought us together. And then she ended up being invited to Franklin to watch kids of a family of her, one of her best friends that moved from LA to Franklin eight mm. months before. They didn't know about me. They lived less than a mile from me. So we spent the whole summer together. Like this is big, like fairy tale story. Right. But through that fairy tale story is basically this fear I had of association with like worldliness, you know, mm. so to say. And really, uh, just to make a long story short, there has been a Pharisee in me that I have not even seen or known mm. that was causing me to be so afraid of association with God's people that are out in the world doing God's thing out in the world, simply because it wasn't in my box of like Christian wow. content. And wow. I'm telling you, it's been the, it's been, it's been one of the, one of the um, hardest deaths I've ever died, and I'm still dying that death. I mean, honestly, like uh, you know, because there's like there's still like for me this you know, and it'd be funny because we'd be talking. I you know, I said this one time. I said this. I said this scripture. Her and I, we just love like reading scripture together and debating scripture. And I go, well, what do you know with that scripture that says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them? Thinking have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, like have nothing to do with, like right. separates yourself from. And she, without even blinking, just goes to me, well, what if it's not fruitless? And I'm just like, oh, well, hmm. you know, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, And she was more worried about fruitfulness, but she always right. is more worried about fruitfulness than I've ever been in my pharisaical yeah. keeping in the box kind of thing. Because I'm all about, basically, at the worst, whitewashed tomb. Like, I'm yeah. like, make it look good on the outside. And like, mm. she'd be like, well, you know, you talk about secular television, but do you, do you watch shows on Netflix? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, how's it? You're supporting the same thing I'm saying. So it's just like, mm. we have all these conversations, but God has literally broken down the Pharisee in me and wow. allowed me to see his bride in PETA and his yeah. bride in the church as way bigger and way broader yeah. and way more on the fringes than I've ever dared to live in my life. Mm. And I'm still dying a death to that. And I'm also like, really like, all right, God, what are you going to do with this? Like, what does this mean for me? Yeah. What does this mean for my family? And it's been really beautiful, but that's been... I've been, and you know, what's funny is it's the same, it's this, I think when God's like, the things he's trying to redeem in us is typically the same thing. So the same thing that was true of um, <laughs> my relationship with Winter was I was a Pharisee. I was like, yeah. I thought I was better than her. To be honest, yeah. I was 21 years old and I thought I was going to save her or make her better. Wow. And it was like the same thing. And God's like, no, I've got something for you in this. Mm. Like I've got an area that you need to grow in in this. Yep. And where I'm worried about looking good, my wife is worried about being fruitful. And I can't mm. help but think about like, you know, 
you know, Jonah, he's like as righteous as he is. Like, he's just like, I don't want to be associated with that people, those people. I don't want to go. They deserve this. They deserve that. And God's worried about Jonah's fruitfulness. And I can name a whole bunch of other people in the Bible, but the reality is God's wow. always worried about fruitfulness. Wow. And I'm learning to, to love and worry and think about fruitfulness rather than just, you know, who my acquaintances are, wow. so to say. And obviously holiness as well. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying that at the expense yep. of holiness. Yep. Um, but holiness didn't keep Jesus from being where he was. Right. You know? Hey, friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that, we've built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, master classes, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. Well, what I love about that is we, we talk a lot about how God keeps circling the same issues in our life over and over, almost Ooh. like the children of Israel wandering the wilderness because they got the same things that need to get the, the Egypt in them that needs to get out of them. We all have a personal Egypt that needs to get out of us. 
And God keeps having to do the same thing, but it looks <laughs> different in each season, right? Yeah, and it's it, it's it's like I feel like for me, it's been it's been like from one glory, you know, Scripture says from one That's glory right. to the next. It's been like from one glory to the next. I feel like you prayed before we got on here that well, God would give me something new, even when I share sharing my story so much, and. That's the first time I've realized, oh, this is the same cycle. Like that's the same yeah. the, the same thing that God did for me at 21 through mm. 39, he's doing for me at 40 through however long it takes, you know. Mm. Um so I'm mm. grateful for that even to learn that myself right now. So. Man, it's awesome. I'm I'm curious, you know, like I don't know if you experienced any of this, but I've heard so many widowers, widows who, you know, they're very aware of the outside perception whether it's like a public platform or whether it's just family in the process of going from losing a spouse and then moving forward, moving on, however you want to term it, mm -hmm. into a new marriage and a remarriage. Sometimes people express that there are some people who are very supportive, other people who are not, and that can be a difficult battle for them. How's that been for you? Yeah. Um, what's been really beautiful is externally, I've had so many people supporting me. Like I think about even like... Um, you know, my, my mother-in-law, her name is Viola Winter's mom, one of the most godly women I've known, has walked one of the most hard roads and stories I've ever heard. And she's loved Jesus through it. And she's met mm. women on the streets and saved people. And she's just this godly woman. And I called her to tell her that I was dating a woman scared out of my mind. Mm. And it was actually, I didn't really talk to her until I knew it, this actually wasn't dating. This was actually more like along with like, I'm, I'm going to propose to her. And my, my mother-in-law, um, just from the very beginning supported us to the point where she got on the, she got on a call with Peter and I, and she goes, well, I guess I have a new daughter now. Mm. And so I've gotten externally support specifically from the Evans family and kind of Winter's family. That's been like second to none. They have been wow. loving and supportive. And my family has been loving and supportive. I've definitely had, it's not like what people say, but it's, it's more what they do. Like when they ask questions just about the girls or they just, mm. when they, when they talk to me, it's just like, I can tell like sometimes people's motivation is more um, backwards and mm -hmm. historic than futuristic, but by and large, it's been, people have been pretty supportive internally. I've had, and it's the same thing again. It's like this people pleasing whitewashed tomb, trying to keep it all. It's like, there was no way I could keep that story squeaky clean. There's mm -hmm. no way That's I right. can meet a new woman, right? you know, a little bit less than two years after um, winter passed away and then marry her about three years uh, from when winter passed away, a little after three years, and keep that squeaky clean. Yeah. It's just snotty and hard right. and for my girls, for you know, for my wife, for, right. for everybody. It's really hard. And um, internally, I've had to just trust God that everything is actually going to be okay. And I have to actually believe that he is who he says he is. Because mm. even like in marriage, like when we give our vows, like it's almost like we actually don't believe. Like, the things that hold us back from moving forward or moving on or whatever you want to call it, I don't, I don't like or dislike any of those terms because they're all true. Um, if I actually believe that winter's in eternity with Jesus right now, mm. loving on a groom that's a thousand percent, million percent, infinity percent better than I am, then what on earth do I have to keep me from like just trusting that, that she she's going to be okay and she's yeah. not you know That's sitting right. up in heaven like I can't believe Jonathan so like why right. why on earth would anybody else right in my story or me for that matter think That's that right. way you know and so it's yeah. like if we're going to be God's people let's be God's people which That's means right. we can actually do this it'll be hard it's snotty it's messy yep. like people have feelings I have feelings 
So I dealt with a lot of, I honestly dealt with a lot of fear because mm. I knew what I knew from a kingdom perspective that God yeah. is making all things new. Things are moving forward. God, you know, Pete and I would say this thing that my redemption is her redemption and her mm. redemption is my redemption. Like we'd say that, but the reality of that taking place is hurtful mm. and it's grief invoking. It invokes grief yeah, in other people. Right. And I, 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 like what I would say is I've grieved faster than most people because it's my reality. Like winter right, was right. my wife that be, then was not my wife. And I always right. say grief. Every is day like you're waking with, up with that reality. Yeah. Yep. Dealing with the loss expectation. So I dealt with it probably faster than most. And some people are able to compartmentalize that. Yeah. They're able to just tuck that away in a corner of their life. But when it comes back up, it comes back up in big ways, like yeah, at my does. wedding or, you know, just some big special moment where yeah. they have to re-engage with a story that they yeah. were able to kind of tuck away. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I would say it's both like, it should be for us as God's people easier than most, especially in the, in the, in the light of death. I mean, I think it's different with like, you know, divorce, like just different things that are like, in death, like the only one that allowed winter to pass away was the Lord. Like yeah. he somehow allowed that. It wasn't right. like anybody else's fault or this, it wasn't any right. of that. So like in that, I think it should be easier for us to accept, okay, what we believe to be true is she's an eternity. She's good. good. We're all wrestling that out. Um, right. I'm, t- I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. It's but so that, good, man. Well, that yeah, what you're it, saying is we, again, I mean, just to echo you, we, if we're kingdom people, we need to be people of the kingdom. Right. Yep. Like we need to really have the mindset of the kingdom and treat other people in that realm as well. I'll never forget reading um, a book about missionaries who had gone through some really tragic things and they were written by missionaries. Right. So there's all, it's like a book of excerpts. And, and it really helped me, first of all, to kind of dispel the idea that if I'm following after the Lord, if I'm doing his work, that my life is going to be pretty and perfect and protected. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That th- there were some there's some tragic, awful things that happened to God's people. And so you had these two couples that they were missionaries together. Each of them lost their spouse, right? The opposite gender mm-hmm. spouse. And so then they, they end up forming a, a, you know, friendship. They work, you know, they're like grieving together and stuff like that. And then they form a romantic relationship. They get married and they're writing this thing about their deceased spouses. And they're, it was something to the effect, Jonathan, of, I can't wait till one day we're all sitting in heaven. We're, we're sitting around, you know, having like lunch together or coffee together. And we're just, we're talking about the faithfulness of God. And that shifted my perspective because here you have a picture of a setting where there's no envy, there's no jealousy, there's no strife, there's no comparison, there's nothing because it's a kingdom realm. Mm -hmm. It's a heavenly realm. That's totally different than what we end up getting bogged down with here on earth. Yeah. And Uh, so go ahead. Oh yeah. I I would just say with that, like that should be our high ideal. That's right. That's the bar that we're reaching for. But in the midst of that, we should also be patient and yeah, gracious that's right. with ourselves and others. Because the reality is there is jealousy. That's right. There is insecurity. There is all this emotional trauma for people to work through. Like yep. ourselves, our future spouse, spouse, whatever it is, our kids, yep. other people outside of that circle. Like, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with even like some of um like people that were basically Winter's friends that became my friends, like mm. in our through our marriage and all that, that I've talked to even in the last couple of weeks that I'm talking to for the first time since her passing, and they're telling me about how it's been hard for them to see me get remarried. Mm. And I, like, I can't be like, "Would well, you need to be?" Yeah, right, get, right. I'm just course. like, "Oh man, I get that. Like, I yep. I sympathize with you in that. I understand you in that." Yep. So I think like having a patience for people in their humanity and where they are now, while also keeping our eye on the high ideal. Yeah, that's so like, good. If we can live in that tension. That's right. We're gonna be better off. You know, that's so, so. good. It's amazing how many times that we have to remember, even those of us who have gone through really difficult grief, 
that that God grows our grace and grief, right? And so we've yeah, got to sure hold does. space and grace for other people, even though sometimes grief can cause us to look inward and go, hey, everybody should be looking out for me in this. And we kind of throw ourselves a pity party. But at the end of the day, like if God's doing his work, our grace should, for other people should grow. And so when you have people coming to you, like as you just said, and they're expressing these things, validate that. And yeah. I know that's hard. I, I get it. I understand. Well, the hard, hardest people to do that with was actually my girls at first. Mm. Um, and that's, that's probably the thing I felt the most um, actual guilt for is as a pastor, having this lens of what kingdom looks like and having little patience for my girls sometimes. And that wasn't like, it wasn't me being like, you can't greet. Like, it was just like, there were things that I would do or say that wasn't yeah. allowing them to have their process. And so I think I've learned, I've learned for other people the most through my, my own failings, even in my own home of like allowing my girls to have their process. Mm. And, um, it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey to let them have their process and not like have this codependent relationship that needs them to be better. So I can mm. be better, which was where I was, you know, I had a moment, wow. um, probably about nine months after winter passed away where I realized that for the first time, like they weren't okay. Therefore I'm not okay. Mm. This daughter's questioning her faith. Therefore, like. I'm not doing my job as a pastor. She needs to not question her faith. And it's just like, let that girl have her journey yeah, and actually sit with her and have compassion with her in it rather than telling her what she needs to do and what she needs to be. Mm. And I'm probably a little more harsh on myself than I need to be. I wasn't saying it like that, but that's kind of how <laughs> in the, in the internal processes yeah. of my heart, that's what was happening that, yeah. that I had to actually die to, to even have compassion for my own family. So, wow, man, um, thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's man. I mean, that's so helpful for, for all of us to remember that each person has their own journey, you know, no matter yeah. who it is, whether it's a, 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 you know, whether it's your child or whether it's, you know, a sibling or whether it's a friend and they're trying to sort through some of this, some of the grief that you're sorting through as well. And you're on your own pace and your own journey. It's so good. Yeah, I, I'm curious, man, you know, as we kind of, uh, wrap up the conversation, you know, with, <laughs> Speaking of being future forward, what are some things that you're excited about for the future? What are some things that, frankly, you're still kind of fearful of? You know, yeah. loss and grief can bring out a lot of fears that maybe you didn't have prior to that. Um, talk to me yeah. about the future a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I'm really thinking about this in a, in a kind of a broad way right now. But one of the other things that happened when my wife and I came together, so I grew up in this little tiny charismatic church mm. and um, high on love, I would say, not low on doctrine, but just not a lot of doctrine, just high on love, man. They love people well and loved on people in really dark places, hurting places. And when I, I think in my own fears, my own, like, you know, I don't want to be weird. Like I kind of just ran from that as fast as I could. Mm. I ended up with this amazing Bible teacher in Tony Evans who like literally, I mean, I'm telling you, I got a theology degree um, mm. from just walking life with him for 14 years of my life. But what's funny is toward the end of Winter's life, she and I ended up going to like a more um, kind of a charismatic leaning church, frankly, because our girls uh, were going to their charter school. And mm. I feel like God brought me back to this place of real health of like not needing him to be in a box, like in any denomination or any set, like God's just God and yeah. God works through people differently and works in people differently. And at the same time, my mom's like this most, the most charismatic <laughs> Jesus loving woman I know who I'm like. I know her faith is real. I can't think yeah. about the bathwater. And then I meet this girl who is like the wildest charismatic woman I know who I marry. And uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, for me, I feel like I've always been a kingdom connector and yeah. I'm biracial. My mom's um, German Midwestern dad was a Lutheran pastor. My dad's black from New Jersey. Like, so wow. I've always been like this connector and God's always like had me in this place of being between lots of different worlds. Mm. Um, and I really feel like what God's doing now, especially through, especially in our, in our country in America right now, like, 
there's so many things that we've been able to stand on, regardless of what space we've been in, in as believers, that if we don't stand together in now, like mm. the bride's not being the bride. And I'm, I'm really actually excited about the bride being the bride. And I feel like God's doing that first in my in my home. Like wow. we've all got our own different leanings and tendencies and God's like literally bringing his body together in some really beautiful ways, which yep. is awesome and also scary because, yeah. you know, it's like going to Thanksgiving dinner and you've got cousins that you're like, ah, I don't know about them. I got this weird uncle and all this kind of stuff. But I feel like it's God's like really blending like, a family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel like my family is the picture yeah. of what yeah. the kingdom, what, what God wants. Well, my family is becoming what the kingdom right. is supposed to be. Right. And that's happening, not just in my own personal life, but even in my broader family as our circles have to come together. Mm. Like our wedding was a picture of that, by the way, like wow. racially, denominationally, like just a picture of the broadness and the variety of the kingdom of God. Wow. And you know what? The only thing that can like actually define it, which helps us all know we're on the same team is love. Mm. Love is literally the only thing. And I'm like, you know, and Christ like no love, not just like love is love. Kind of, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm talking about Christ like love is wow. the one thing that defines the fact that we're family. They will wow. know that we're Christians by our love for one another. And I feel like it makes me emotional to think about, but my wedding was that. And it was kind of scary leading into it because the different traditions we're from and how's this wedding going to work? And we're also blending this family. And it was really one of the most beautiful experiences of my life mm. that I just saw God's people come together for. And it makes me excited about the church. Like mm. it really does. It makes me excited about the church. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Well, I'm excited about your future too, man. I'm excited about what you're I mean, what you're in right now and what you're wrestling through. I know it's a very difficult road. You know, we blended our family back in 2018. And so we're, we're coming, we're coming up on five years at the end of this year. And it's just, it is every day is a new adventure and a new oh, challenge. It's not perfect. It's not perfect now time. and everything's easy. <laughs> no, not at all. There's, there's, there is, you know, it is, it's like glory to glory and also challenge the challenge all at the same time, right? The things that you thought were challenging back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's, you know, it's way more complicated. It feels like, and yet the Lord is, is gracious and he does his thing. And so uh, I feel yeah. like we could get together and talk about blended family. Maybe we will in a year and we'll, we'll kind of see where, where, where you're feeling and we'll talk more about that. But yeah, um, we can, we can do that. Like the hard thing about like to do like in conversations like this is to, you know, just honor your family and yeah. keep, keep family conversations, family conversations, but you and I can sit down and have a conversation one day. A <laughs> sounds deeper, so it. That sounds good, man. Jonathan, thanks so much for spending time with us. This has been unbelievably, I mean, it stirred me up and, uh, and, and it's really refreshed me quite a bit just to hear from you and your perspective. So I know it's done that for our community too. I know you've encouraged so many people as you've been sharing this past hour. So thank you so much for spending time with us. I want to make sure everybody picks up a book of my winter season, picks up a copy of that. We're going to put the link right there in the show notes. Then we'll also put a bunch of other links where you can connect with Jonathan right there, his website, his Instagram, Facebook. Um, but but uh, make sure you read this because I know that j we've just scratched the surface on some of the things that God's been doing in his life through um, the tragic loss of his of his wife. But Jonathan, thanks so much for spending time with us and uh, hoping to have you back on at some point. Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me heal out loud. Well, Teresa, what'd you think? It, it was so good. You know what I did notice? Wow. He, it seems as though he just radiates with joy. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, what, what, what a testament to what God has done yeah. in his life to hear his story and all that he's been through. And yet there is still joy all over yep. him. It was, it was just, it was a beautiful, difficult story. Yeah. There, yeah. The, you, there are time you meet people who it doesn't make any sense. You look, you hear their story and you're like, how mm -hmm. in the world is your countenance 
glowing like this still. Yes. And how is, and that there's only one explanation, right? It's the yep. peace that passes all understanding mm-hmm. that guards Absolutely. your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, as scripture yeah. tells us. It's like you, you can, and, and we all have the ability we all have the ability, especially as believers, we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives yep. within us. So we all have the ability, some have a greater propensity toward it than others, mm-hmm. but we all have the ability to go, I'm going to choose to look at this situation through a good eye, as we've talked about on the podcast before. I'm going to choose to say, all right, God is up to something. I may not see it. I may not sense it, but right. he's up to something. And I, and I know that I can still... like. He is still working this out for my good. Yes. Yeah. And you could really see that on him as he told his story. And just overall, my thought was, wow, this guy, his story's amazing. And the fact that you still see joy on him was, yeah, it was awesome. It's mind blowing. Yeah. One of the things he talked about is this idea of kind of the the mixture, the cocktail of grief and shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? So there is actually something called uh, the Center for Healing Shame. You can Google it. It is a whole, you can actually be a practitioner in shame, right? So a practitioner in shame alone. That's how big shame is. And um, I took a class on shame. And what was really interesting is they talked about how shame will throw itself on top of other emotions. And we'll use the example here of grief because we are talking about shame and grief. When shame throws itself over grief, grief then gets stuck and we can't process the grief because the shame is on top of it, Mm. right? So the goal is to begin to understand shame better. Where Sometimes shame is just a voice that somebody has spoken to us maybe when we were younger or in a Mm. toxic relationship and we've taken it on. Sometimes shame comes from the enemy. I mean, gosh, that's his goal, right? If he can get us stuck in grief, he's winning, right? Right. Um, Our own inner critic, whatever it might be. But but shame is so damaging that you can actually, I think it's a couple-year program to study shame, to be a practitioner in shame. And they're out there because that's how big shame can be and how damaging it can be of all of our emotions. That's the big one. Wow, yeah. man. I'm going to mm-hmm. put you on the spot a little bit, Teresa. Yeah. And yeah. so I apologize. If you can't come up with an example, that's okay. But as I think about shame, I'm, I'm, I kind of, you know, I know where shame manifests itself in my life. And I, but I wonder if like in your, your expertise, your experience as you've worked with people, where have you seen some of those places? Because I'm thinking about the listener right now who's going, I don't even know how to identify shame in my life right now. I'm not sure if I know that I'm, if I'm feeling shameful right now, because a lot yeah. of times shame is, shame is a very vulnerable emotion that we don't yeah. like to admit. And so because right. we don't like to admit it, we cloak that a little bit and it gets cloaked yep. in things like anger or, you yep. know, some of these stronger emotions that make us feel more powerful. Right. But to say, I feel shame over this is very vulnerable Yes, and so often people never get there. They never get to this place where they can even acknowledge that shame. Yeah. And so I wonder if you can speak to like, hey, here's some examples of like where shame might be seen, like what you might be feeling in terms of mm-hmm. shame, where it might be coming from mm-hmm. so that we can begin to identify it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think shame, gosh, it can come from anywhere, right? It can even come from the church. It can come from anywhere. We can feel shameful about a lot of things. If, you know, if 
you're divorced and somebody yeah. said to you, oh, I can't believe you're divorced. And, you know, w- whatever the example might be, shame can come from the church, the yeah. pulpit. It can come from our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can come from our, our perception of how we're viewed. So, I mean, I can use myself as an example. You know, I grew up in a very difficult home. And um, when my brother killed himself, there was uh, the shame of being revealed for who we were was mm. huge because you can't hide that from your classmates, right? right? right. So wow. the shame that th- – and shame wants you to hide. And really, shame is trying to keep you in check. If I can keep you to hide this, can, mm. we don't want people to think you're this, fill in the blank, right? We don't want that to happen. So instead, let's just keep this quiet and hidden. And who else says, let's keep this quiet and hidden, right? right? That's exactly what the enemy wants, is for us to keep things quiet and hidden. So Mm. when I'm working with a client and I begin to see shame coming up, I have to be really careful to not go, geez, I think you're struggling with shame. I don't want to do that. That could close them off real fast, I bet. Uh, For sure. So the goal is to get them to see it. I don't need to say it, but to get them to see, asking the right probing questions to get them to start to speak it out loud. And there's there's such freedom when we say something out loud. I was embarrassed by the home I grew up in. And I didn't want people to really know what my life was like, right? Just saying it out loud, there's... I just go, boy, when we can pull it out of the darkness and just set it free and say it, yeah. I mean, then no more of the enemy saying to you, remember, remember, we're keeping you in check, that shame, yep. we're going to yep. hold you back from yep. speaking truth mm. about what really happened. And sometimes that's not easy for people, and it can be a long journey. Mm. Um, but if they get with the right person who can walk with them right. as they try to explore really what's going on inside of them, and then they discover, I think maybe I am struggling with this. Wow. Um, yeah, but it's sure. it has to be delicate um, I because I certainly can't say to them, sounds to <laughs> me like you've got, you're in a shame spiral, yeah, right? Yeah, for we can't, sure. Yeah, and, and really, when we're talking about shame, we actually, when we feel shame, we get in what's called a shame spiral because we feel ashamed of the shame. Wow. Right? So we get in the spiral and I just go, geez, we could just go, yeah, that's exactly where Satan wants us. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so helpful to think, okay, is there something that I'm trying to keep hidden mm-hmm. because I'm trying to protect a image or protect a particular, you know, people's perception of me or reputation yes. that I have, that that might be where shame is is living, mm-hmm. right? That might be where if we pull a thread on that, maybe we'll find where we're feeling shame. Yeah. And and there's times where, you know, for example, if it's coming from the church or it's coming from something you've heard, um, it has to be unpacked, right? Yeah. That you have to understand the context in which this is being taught. And you have right. to, but any little hint of it, people retreat because it right. is a horrible emotion that comes up for us. So we'll retreat even to, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to, whatever that might right. be, to get away from it instead of stepping into it. Yeah. And allowing God to set us free mm. from the very thing that's holding us back. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. It is very liberating to be able to express, hey, I feel I feel embarrassed about this. Yep. Or I feel sure. ashamed of this. Um, you know, I've just recently, uh, we, we I've been doing some coaching 
uh, recently and not coaching others, but getting coached. Yeah. And, and, uh, my coach was leaning into me on some stuff and I, and like, I'm a, I'm an Enneagram three. So mm-hmm. what is already, it is already a, um, uh, a propensity for me to try to protect a particular image. Mm-hmm. That's already part of what an Enneagram three struggles with. They're, the mm-hmm. root vice is deception. And so you don't even realize it's happening. You're just like always trying to hedge a, a, an image of, you know, hey, I want to be admired. I want to be an example. I want to be, sure. right? And so it can be with all the tr- altruistic motives, but then you begin to do some things that are a little bit slight or say some things that are a little bit slight, not even realizing you're doing that, right? And so to actually tell this coach like, hey, I feel really embarrassed that I made this decision. Mm-hmm. It but was what like freedom. Oh my gosh, it felt like the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my life and yet mm-hmm. it and yet it felt so free to do that. Sure. Especially yeah. to hear the response. And I think that's one of the most important things for us to glean from this as well as if if you're going to be a safe space like what Teresa yep. does in coaching other people, she's working very hard to be a safe space for other people. Yes. Then you have to also be cognizant of your response when someone does get vulnerable about that. For sure. And I mean being able to sit with someone, hold space for them so that they can share their story in a way that they're not judged. Mm. Um, I'm telling you, Davey, there is nothing like it. I I would go through my journey all over again to see what God has done as I've sat with people and wow. saw them begin to heal from their trauma and be able to say, this is where I come every week just to dump what's going on and just be transparent and honest. Wow. And, you know, I start clapping like, yes, that's exactly why God, why I persevered yep. through my own trauma so yep. that God could use it um, for my good and his glory. Mm, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Teresa, thanks so much for spending time with us on the last couple of episodes. This has been wonderful to reconnect with you and reconnect our community with you. And I'm so excited for what God is doing through you. And this coaching you. stuff. Um, it's been awesome. I mean, you're you're like full, like you're packed full, wait list. Yeah. And- <laughs> yes. Just- it's it's hard because you know, there are a lot of people that need help. Yeah. Yeah. It is. it is this very sobering reality when you go, man, there's a lot of people who are experiencing pain, who have gone through yep. trauma, who really need help. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you're consuming this particular episode, I want to encourage you to get connected with Teresa or get connected with one of our other certified coaches. We've got right at 30 coaches that could walk with you through the pain to purpose mm-hmm. pathway. Teresa kind of does some 2.0 stuff with that because she's got this whole trauma recovery certification on top of the pain to purpose stuff. And so we'd love to get you connected with one of our coaches. We'd love to get you connected with Teresa. I would not go another season of your life, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. go another day, another quarter, another year, without dealing with some of the stuff that is keeping you hindered from experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. And so much of that is trauma. You're experiencing it all the time, right, Teresa? For sure. And I mean, I think you would agree with this. Everybody should have a therapist or a coach in their life. Everyone. I don't care who you are, like everybody. And I tell people, they'll say, well, I tried therapy and it didn't work. Keep trying. Don't give up because you didn't connect with that person or you didn't get what you needed. Keep trying. That's right. You'll you'll find the right person who can help you. And I think we should all have a coach or a therapist in our life because life happens all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you never know when it's going to happen, right? To be able to have someone, because right now you're going to see a lot of a lot, the great, the good therapists, the good coaches, they are experiencing wait lists. 
mm-hmm. because they're good because what they do helps people, really helps people. And so to be able to just have that person because you're already connected with that person, even if you aren't experiencing some kind of deep valley, is so valuable because I promise you, it like that's going to come. Life mm-hmm. is going to get to a place where you're going to experience this pressure. It's going to start squeezing you in, whether it's some kind of big tragedy or just like just distress that's going on in your life where you're going, I need someone else to walk with me through this. I need yes. someone who's not so emotionally bogged down in the minutia of my situation like I yep. am yep. to be able to give me a proper perspective and help to draw things out of me. Uh, I agree for sure. So if you want to get connected, we want to get you connected with uh, coaching, with any of the resources that we have at Nothing Is Wasted. Just go to nothingiswasted.com. I'd love to invite you on that Zoom call that we're doing. I shared that with you a little bit last week. You probably heard some advertisements for it. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. We want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. You can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn. Follow Aubrey at Obsamp. I think Aubrey's going to be back with us here pretty soon, but Teresa, thank you so much. This has been so good. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. To have you. you a part of this, and you can follow Teresa at Teresa Glantz Coaching. Mm-hmm, yep. At Teresa Glantz Coaching. Teresa, you're putting out some really great content. Thank now. you. It's cool yeah. to see. We're like, mm-hmm. I was talking to Ken, who's our coaching director the other day, and we're like, man, we've we got to talk to all of our coaches and show them what... Teresa is putting out <laughs> right there because it's just really, it's so helpful. It's so informative and it's so, uh, it's inspiring. It's really cool yeah. to see what you're doing. So follow Thank Teresa you. at Teresa Glantz Coaching. And um, next week we have a conversation with the infamous mm-hmm. Beth Moore. That's awesome. I can't oh wait to hear goodness. that one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You guys don't want to miss this conversation. And so uh, why don't we go ahead and take a listen to a little clip from my conversation with Beth Moore. Every class I teach, I get somebody in my eye that has been through catastrophic loss. The kind, I mean, catastrophic loss. And I think to myself, does this work for them? Would this also be true? Because if it's not Beth, then you need to constantly give disclaimers. But if mm. you've gone through the violence that Davy's family's been through, it is is it still true that God is still faithful? Is it still true mm. that He can redeem a burning down? Yeah. I mean, a burning down can honestly anything beautiful come from those ashes. And and this, yeah. I want to say to the two of you and all of our listeners, I'm going to tell you this, not only does he redeem here and now, but y'all, yeah. we're going to be here this long. Yeah. Yeah. This long. Yeah. We will never, ever have sorrow again. Never, never. We will never stand over another person as long as we live never and we will see his face and his name will be on our forehead